Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. We've got a little bit of a skeleton crew today. Men, will you introduce yourselves? Hi, this is Rob Spikestra, Pastor of Discipleship. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. All right, we are in the thick of the remodel and uh, work on the building, and so it's been a busy week. This is the week after Easter, and uh, Kevin's over there getting our utilities all switched over and doing all that fun stuff because, you know, like the water company likes to say, hey, we'll be there between 8 and 5. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So he's over there doing that, and uh, we're going to knock out a podcast here, and uh, I'm going to kind of lead our discussion today. It's basically on, uh, I'm, I'm reading this book right now by Jonathan Kahn, and I don't know much about this Jonathan Kahn guy, so I can't 100% recommend him. He is a Messianic Jew. So he is a Jew who has embraced Jesus Christ as uh, Messiah and, and Savior. And he's written this book, and it says it's he's a New York Times bestselling author. I've never read anything else by him. But the name of the book is The Return of the Gods. The Return of the Gods. And his whole premise is basically... All, you know, what happened? Why you go back and you re, you read history and you go, obviously when you read the Old Testament, you see these old gods, you see Assyrian, Assyria had gods, you see Baal, you see Asherah, you see Molech in the Old Testament, like all the, all the nations had gods that they worshiped, right? Um, and really you go to any civilization, India, China, anywhere, they've, they've got gods, right? They've got, yeah. And they've, every civilization oh, yeah. has had gods. Yep. And they believed, no, they believed these gods were real, and they these gods did certain things for them. Yeah. And it's easy to go back and read those and think about it and just think, oh, silly, superstitious people. You know, they were just praying to the thunder, or they were just praying to the rain, or they were just praying to the sea, silly mm-hmm. people, and dismiss it as primitive people who didn't understand the forces of nature. And so they just thought they were gods, Mm. but that's actually not how the Bible describes all those forces. The Bible actually describes them as gods, little G Mm. or demons, daemons, daemones, I think is the, is the, is the Hebrew term. And so they're, they're literally fallen evil spirits Mm. who, um, rule kingdoms, right? Who are behind, Assyria and Babylon and all these powerful nations, the Canaanites, and they demand from their worshipers certain practices, right? Well, this guy's argument is basically, why, why, do, why do we not have that? Why, why does that really, why don't we have that anymore? You know, you had all these gods and then you have the Greek gods and the pantheon of gods and Greco-Roman culture and then what, hap- what happened to all these gods? Yeah. Well, his, he, he says Jesus Christ is what happened to gods. Mm-hmm. That Jesus Christ, when the Son of God came, and he cast out these spirits, and he conquered all of these demon gods through his death and resurrection. And his kingdom came to this earth and drove and, and began to dri- drive these, basically drive these demons underground. Let's just yeah. say that. Because he... he we know from the scriptures, he says at the end of time, he's going, you know, he's, he's going to throw Satan and his demons in, in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So that hasn't happened yet, but Jesus has them kind of leashed right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Jesus has this interesting parable in the Gospel of, of Matthew, yep. Gospel of God, Matthew. Matthew. So I'm going to have Pastor Rob um, read this parable, and then we're going to talk about how this author, um, the assertions he's making regarding this. So hmm. go ahead, Rob. Okay, yeah. So this is uh, Matthew 12, and uh, it's really in a, in a series of several interesting uh, um, parables uh, that happens to be the chapter that's also on the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit so it's a, quite an interesting chapter but here we go uh, almost to the end of Matthew 12 it's verses 43 through 45 when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none then it says I'll return to my house from which I came and when it comes it finds the house empty swept and put in order then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Wow. Okay, so there's some crazy stuff there. So here's the, the situation. A person is demon-possessed, and we know the Apostle Paul, Jesus, his disciples— when they would meet a person who was demon-possessed, they had the authority given from, given from God to cast out that demon, okay? Now, casting out a demon does not save a person, all right? right. And, and um, you know, when, the demon, when Jesus cast the, the, the demons out of the demoniac and they were legion, they, and they said, we're, you know, send us to these pigs. And Jesus, threw, let, Jesus put them in a pig. So he didn't just, so like casting a demon out isn't, destroying the demon, isn't killing the demon. It's sending it out of a person. And this parable says it goes to waterless places, desert dry lands. It goes to place. I don't know where it goes. It, it goes to wander. It goes out from the person. Um, and then it says that it, if, if a person doesn't so read, how, what does it say there? What's the exact text? Yeah, say? so it says there, it says when it passes through waterless places seeking rest, it finds none. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense of that there's, there's a restless state to this, this demon's been cast out. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Okay, so this demon wants to return. Yeah. So... I don't know if all demons want to inhabit people. I don't know, but this demon clearly does, and some demons clearly do. They find no rest uh, out there not inhabiting someone. So they want to come inhabit this person. And so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and check on my old homie here yeah, yeah. and see if I can come back in. Mm -hmm. And he finds the house, so he finds the person clean mm -hmm. now or empty. Empty, swept, put in Empty, order. empty. Now that's, that's a key, key, empty. Meaning that... When the demon is cast out of a person, what's what you want to have happen next is that person be converted and then the Holy Spirit move into that person and be filled and right? be filled Ooh. and be filled. But this person, maybe the, who knows what happens? Maybe this person was demon possessed and it was causing physical ailments or mental mental ailments, and then they delivered this person. And then once they're delivered, they didn't want Jesus. They didn't mm. need Jesus. I don't need to be saved. I just wanted free from my malady. Okay, so they. The Holy Spirit doesn't get invited in. The Holy Spirit doesn't come inside this person to dwell. And so when the demon comes back, he finds a 
empty house, so free of the Holy Spirit. And so what does he do? He moves right back in. Mm. And then he goes out and he finds seven more demons. He brings some homies with him. Yeah, even worse, <laughs> right? Seven more demons mm. and he comes back and they all inhabit this person. Mm-hmm. And the former state or the... the the, yeah, the last state the of last that person state is worse. Is worse than the first state, okay? Wow. So this is kind of, you know, Jesus is telling this parable, so we know it's true, and but it, it, you know it's kind of, we don't really think about it too much. Mm-hmm. But then the way Jesus applies it at the end, yeah. he doesn't say you are like that. He says this, this is, evil generation. This evil generation. Yeah. So Jesus applies it generationally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a whole, to a whole generation of people. Mm-hmm. And I think this is in one sense, this is, this was fulfilled. Jesus came, they cast him out, they killed him, right? The Jewish people had the scriptures. They had the law. They had the covenants. Jesus Christ came to them. They casted him out. They didn't want anything to do with him. And Jesus said, okay, fine. You reject me. Then you're going to be destroyed. And then in 70 AD, so probably about roughly 36, 37 years after Jesus is saying this statement, um, the Jerusalem is overrun by, uh, overrun and destroyed and the temple is destroyed and there is no more Israel from that point on until, you know, the 19, 1940, whatever, 1943 or 1946. I can't remember what happened. But when was it? I don't remember. No, yeah, no. Yeah, 45. 45. 45 right around there, right yeah, after yeah. the World War II. Yeah. yeah. So in one sense, it was fulfilled there with Jesus. Like they cast Jesus out and, you know, Jesus cast these demons out of people and then they cast Jesus out. And so they had no king. And so the demons came back in and destroyed the whole, the whole generation, the, the, all, all the people. Okay. Yeah. But he's applying this to a generation. And what this author uh, Jonathan Kahn is saying, he's saying that's what's happening to America and the West right now. He's saying all these demon gods, Asherah, Molech, Baal, Zeus, Greek pantheon, all this stuff that people used to worship, Jesus Christ conquered them through his death and resurrection. And he, he, he showed them to be defeated. He showed them to be conquered. And so he, when he rose victorious and he was glorified to the right hand of the Father. And so the gospel starts being preached and everywhere the gospel goes, these demons are getting cast out. People, mm-hmm. literally, phys, literally demons are getting cast out. Idols are being torn down. Christianity is spreading. Disciples are being made. Churches are being planted. And the whole world, in one sense, gets... You could say, I mean, the, the New Testament said, you know, it's spread across the whole world, right? And specifically, as the gospel took root in the Western world, you started having Christian nations. His premise is, if you have a Christian nation, you drive out all the demon gods, but then if you lose your Christianity, if you lose your faith, the demons come back in even worse than the original state. Mm-hmm. And you think of Martin Luther and, and the Reformation and the amazing Reformation that happened there and the revival and all. all and, and what country was that? 
Germany. Germany. Yeah. And a mat, and then, then, you know, a generation or two later, Germany repudiates Christianity. They don't want any. They become the. They're the smartest, most sophisticated, most technologically highest educated um, society in human history up until that moment. And what happens? World War One and World War Two. World War One <laughs> and World War Two, and they and in World War Two, they commit atrocities that. You know how could a, a former Christian nation fall so fast and, and be so so dark and, and commit the Holocaust, yeah. right? So he, this author saying, that's the parable of Jesus. That's the parable of Jesus. When a society rejects only Savior, Jesus Christ, then now the house is empty and the, the old gods, the old demons can come back in and destroy them. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what if some would say that uh, um, Jesus cleans the house, mm-hmm. but then he also sends the Holy Spirit to fill it? Mm-hmm. So where does that come into place to? So we know that Jesus, in one sense, God doesn't have any grandchildren. And what, what people mean by that when they say that is the next generation always has to believe. The next generation always has to put their trust in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? We don't just biologically pass it down. So you can have an American child and American grandchildren, but you're, it's not guaranteed that they're going to be Christians. Yeah. So each generation, in one sense, has the opportunity to make a covenant with God, to, to say, are we going to, to be Christians? And then to be a Christian nation, right? So, did I answer your question? Yeah. A little bit? Okay. Yeah, well, you begin to think about, I'm just thinking historically, first of all. So I went, let's, you know, it's not just Germany, but you begin to think about just Western culture and you begin, you think about Europe mm-hmm. and how Europe, that's where, the, that's where the Reformation spread. It spread, you know, it was not only there in Germany, but it also spread in Switzerland and in France and then on, you know, on into England. You know, we, 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 we see this movement out, you know, just kind of going out. And then, then of course, then we have the Mayflower and, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, the coming over the United States and, and such. And so Christianity, you can see Christianity expanding, particularly in the Western branch or the Western culture. Um, but then what do we see? We see, you know, Europe begin to fall in terms of it's no longer grabbing. Matter of fact, you know, I, when I think about this, uh, we think about Germany was where, I mean, for a while there, that's where all the, you know, significant theological, you know, movement was going and they're the first ones who began to question higher criticism begin to question the authority of scripture the word of god is it truly the word of god and began to destroy that as its sense of uh, that as, as as a place of authority and then that that's began to then spread out from europe and so i i even remember 20 30 30 years ago when there was a, a point where they were saying in the United States, they say, you look at Europe, Europe's kind of a postmodern country, a postmodern place or a continent, a post-Christian c- continent, and said so that's coming. That's mm-hmm. coming to, to, mm-hmm. to the United States. So you can, you can see how this is just kind of, it's, it's unfolding right before us because every generation does have to decide what do we really believe yeah. is true. Some of the most interesting, and I'm not finished with this book yet, so, but some of the most interesting correlations he's making is when he he starts talking about the gods that are in the Old Testament, and you have Baal, mm-hmm. and Baal worship was basically a um, 
the god of you could say the god of the harvest. You, you they worshipped Baal in order. He's kind of like in control of the weather and all this kind of stuff. And um, they 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 believe like Baal basically became Zeus in the Greek pantheon. But so he's he's kind of in charge of the weather. And so you're 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 you know farmers and you're nomadic herders. And so you're dependent upon your livelihood for the weather. And so they they serve this god named Baal, and Baal you know, would require sacrifices from them and all this kind of stuff, but then he would meet their needs. He would, yeah. he would provide for them. Mm. And Khan traces some really interesting historical points. And he, and he basically says, so Baal, um, was, was a, was often a bull. You remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. sure. they made, they made the, the idol, the, the idol of the bull, right? Mm-hmm. And bull, the bull represented um, strength and power and virility, and you know prosperity, basically. And so you saw that you see them get corrupted in the Old Testament by worshiping that. And then he goes to, he makes the the, the he, he does a lot of cool stuff, but then he goes to Wall Street. And what is Right, like yeah. they literally bull have <laughs> a seven thousand pound bull, yeah, in on Wall Street, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's an image of a bull market, right? It's an image of prosperity. prosperity. It's an image of you know money and mammon. And Jesus said, "Beware of mammon. Beware of the love of money, because the love of money is the root of all evil." Mm-hmm. And so we think now that we're like post-Christian, we're a post-Christian society and we're a secular society. And yet why would we have a big statue of a bull in our financial district? Right? Like what a giant, it's like 16 foot tall or something. I, 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 I It's, it's real big. There. Yeah, it's big. Uh, you know, and he's like, he's like, I think it's bail. He's like, I think it's bail. Bail has returned. And if Baal has returned and he's found the house swept and clean because we're not Christian anymore, it's about to get bad for us. Mm. Okay. Then he goes to Molech and Molech was a God and it became Marduk and different things. But Molech was a God who, who demanded child sacrifice, the blood of the blood of your children. And you see Israel warned over and over to not worship Moloch and not offer your kids to them or let your kids marry them, you know, intermarry with them because this God, one of the things that they would do was sacrifice their children to this God. Yeah. And you have all through history and all through, so like the Aztecs, if you know anything about the Aztec religion, when the conquistadors found, um, founded, found these Aztec villages, they were absolutely horrified. They had, they, they were civilized, you know, civilized people. They had been Christianized, and when they found these tribes, they they were built upon hundreds and thousands of skulls. Mm. They had, if you've ever seen this in the movies, like that, this is real. They had to sacrifice their children, and they had to fight, sacrifice adults. They had they, human sacrifice was a normal part of their worship, of their religion, and so they would cut their hearts out while they're alive. They would do all kinds of, and then they would literally have these skulls as decoration. Mm-hmm. It was it was a god of death. 
And and we know what does Satan want to do? Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, sure. And so it's really easy to, to to trace this God through history and a lot of different civilizations. We would say the same thing with Hitler. Like, I mean, what they were secular in their in their worldview, and yet and they're enlightened and educated and look I mean they look at the the murderous reign that they that they did. And Stalin and Lenin and Mao Mao China China Mao yeah, yeah all of these like when people are supposedly they they they're secular and they don't worship gods anymore they don't become kind loving people. Right. Death happens. It's right. it becomes a culture of death. Why? Moloch, because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he makes the easy one-to-one comparison, bringing it forward to where we are today, of abortion. That we are killing close to a million human babies every single year. And we're doing it on the altar, mainly on the altar of feminism. And feminism, one of the tenets of feminism was... Men have the right to be sexual promiscuous, but nature has not given that right to women because if a woman is sexually promiscuous, she gets pregnant. The consequence. There's a consequence. There's, there's a real natural consequence right, to her. Right. And the line when feminism was was being espoused and be, beginning to be espoused was that women have the right, just like men have the right, to be unpregnant, to not be to be to have sexual intercourse, but not have the consequences of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And if w- the line was, if women are going to ha- be, be equals to men, we're, they're going to have real equality and opportunity and income and in the workforce, then they have to have the right to be not pregnant, which is to say they have to have the right to be able to kill their offspring, mm-hmm. kill their children. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, obviously that's exactly where our, our culture is at right now. Yeah. That we want to be promiscuous, we want to want sexual intercourse outside of marriage, we and we don't want the consequence, and we 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 hate life and we love death, and and every Democrat, every Democrat in the Senate, every Democrat in the House, every Democrat that's running for office, every Democrat who's on the judiciary uh, committees and panels, and and because even um, the Supreme Court judge in Wisconsin. She ran a her she ran her campaign on abortion, which shouldn't be able to do that because you shouldn't be able to politicize the judicial hmm. side of things. But she did, and she just won by ten points up in Wisconsin. They believe human beings, women, have a right to kill their children. Hmm. Okay, what would get a human being to think that? Well, Jonathan Khan said, "Easy, it's Moloch." Hmm. Once again. <clears throat> Old gods have returned, and they find this generation spiritually ignorant, spiritually empty. They don't know Jesus Christ. Their heads have been full with a bunch of propaganda and a bunch of lies from the left in their school and in college campuses. And these demons come back in seven times worse than they were before. Wow. So, whoa, man, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, whoa. This is this is heavy, man. Mm-hmm. But then... They go one, he goes one step forward, further and he talk, starts talking about Asherah. Ash, it's like Asherah and Ashtaroth. And they, they have different names that we see in the Old Testament. And one of the things you see 
um, in the Old Testament is these, they would worship at these things called Asherah poles, an Asherah pole. And actually, these kind of structures <clears throat> have been found in nearly every civilization uh, that's known to man, and they are phalluses. You don't know what the phallus is. A phallus is basically a male penis. Mm. It is a like a spire that shoots up in the sky in the shape of a penis. And it's, it's meant to symbolize um, sexual uh, sexuality, sexual mm. you know, procreation, sexual freedom. Um, they worshiped Asherah, and so Asherah would have prostitutes. That's the, the temple priests and priestesses were highly sexualized people. They um, would practice uh, what it uh, they would practice they would practice gen, uh, genital mutilation. Mm -hmm. So they were often they had eunuchs. Eunuchs, okay. They had eunuchs. Yeah. They had so this was the gender confusion of the Old Testament world that men would have their genitals removed and they they were sexual they were sexual priests and priestesses they did all kind of abominations they committed heinous acts with animals and just it was all about sexual freedom um men lying with men women lying with women bringing all kind of weird sexual deviancy into god's good um um in order and you see this obviously throughout the old testament you also see it move into the New Testament mm. where you have like the temple of Artemis and you, you hear about cult prostitutes and different things in the New Testament. Paul's telling them, stay, you know, yeah, stay, stay, away. stay yeah. away from these people. Yeah. And even <clears throat> if you remember when Paul is preaching in Ephesus, there was a temple to Artemis in Ephesus and they were idol makers, you know, mm. more than likely they're making little statues of little genitalia, you know, and, and Paul says, Paul, basically preaches the gospel there and says this god's all fake and it's you know it's a demon god and yeah. you shouldn't be worshiping it and it causes a riot because there's so many people there that are making money off of building these statues for mm -hmm. the temple tour the people the tourists who are coming to this perverted prostitute filled uh temple mm -hmm. to to quote unquote worship that they uh, they have a riot and they basically kick them out of the kick yeah. them out of the city well think now like even in the world today it's OnlyFans, right? The, the prostitution online. And I think a lot of people forget about, like, even though these things happened years and years ago, but it's still relevant in our days with porn and OnlyFans and all these different ways of prostitution and being addicted to sex. Yeah. So, and, and he's saying, uh, if I'm understanding what you're saying, he, what he is he's claiming here is that these are real demons that yep. have not been destroyed, obviously, because they're not destroyed yet. They're going to be destroyed one day, or at least they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, so he's claiming that this is just a the same demons just returning in a kind of in a new form. I mean, they're yep. at least pressing forward a new form of this kind of worship, this yep. this godless worship, this ugly worship. I don't know what we would call it. But yep. Yeah, okay. So that's what he's saying? Is yeah, that and, kind of the and demons might not be the right word. So he, he, he says return of the gods. And why demons might not be the right word is because the Bible does reference some kind of hierarchy. Sure. Where... You have like in Psalm 82, I think it is, where it says God took counsel with the gods or something like that. Elohim met with the Elohim, the sons of God. Um, and there was like this, it implies that there's this council, this divine council 
that God is the only God over them all, but there are some kind of, if you want to call them national gods or like, they're, they're like the upper echelon, right? Like we're, sure. we're talking about strongholds or powers and principalities that Ephesians talks about. Right. So that there's, there's, there's probably some kind of hierarchy. And so maybe demons is the right, but maybe gods is the right. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe li- we would say little G gods. Maybe okay. that is right. So maybe, maybe there's, some, there's some demon kingpins, mm-hmm. right? That we're over Babylon. We're over Assyria. We're over the Greco Roman world, you know? And they just they could just take different sh- shapes and take take different forms. Yeah. Right. So they could look like Zeus or look like whoever. Um, hmm. And now, so this 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 Asherah idea and Ishtaroth and there's some different ones that they, he he goes into. Um. With how Rob, fifteen years ago, fifteen years that is not very. Like I'm I'm. 43, about to be 44. Mm-hmm. 15 years, that's that's about a third of my life, okay? But 15 years ago is not that long ago, right? right? If you just go back 15 years and you ask anyone on the street, what is a woman? They would know. Yeah. What is a man? Right. Can a man get pregnant? Right. Yeah. Can you, can you, can a man, can you be a man trapped in a woman's body? Right. Can you be a woman trapped in a, or whatever, woman trapped in a man's body? They they would laugh at you. Mm-hmm. They would literally laugh at you. How, how are we here? How have we gotten where we are? And it's not, it's not even something that I'm even laughing about because it's now, it looks like a social contagion. It looks like a virus yeah. that's affected our, our society. My kids and I were talking this morning about Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is the number one YouTuber in the world pretty wholesome guy, pretty fun YouTube channel, gives away millions of dollars and all kind of stuff. So all the kids love watching him. His co-host just left his wife and kids to become transgender. Mm. There was another transgender uh, potential shooter that was caught at St. Olaf's College this week, or or late late last week, with maps. He He had all these guns, all this stuff, and he had maps drawn out and he was planning to kill people. And a janitor found ammunition boxes outside his dorm called and they arrested him. And so nobody's heard about it yet because it's another transgender person. Mm. This, that, that adult people would consent and believe it good to forcibly remove the genitals of a boy or a girl because this child feels themselves to be a different gender. Mm -hmm. Gender wasn't a, even a thing into the middle of the 20th century. Gender wasn't even a word. Gender wasn't even in our language. Gender, mm. The only time you used gender was, the only thing that was gendered was the English language. Right. Right? Yep. We never applied it. We, our sexuality was based in our biological sex. Mm. There was no ge- such thing as gender. Gender was literally invented in, with, with feminism. Um. And now all of a sudden, they're, they're saying right now, statistics are showing that this next generation, this, this generation's coming up, I think it's Generation Z, 20% of them are LGBTQ+. They're, they're identifying. 20% of them are identifying as LGBTQ+. Wow. Now, in our generations, LGBT, all that stuff, about 2%. Two percent of the population identified as LGBTQ plus. 
And now this next generation, generation Z, 20% of them. Wow. What can describe, what can, what can explain that? Mm. Well, this guy is saying the old gods have returned and they found people who are empty, empty of the spirit of God. Mm. And those demons can come in and those demons come in and they come in worse, you know, it's worse than they were before, right? They come in, wow. they come in ugly. And so, man, it. The sad part about it is the more I, I look at out into the world is that it's almost like the, a, a God of busyness where we are a generation that is so busy that we can only learn from 15 second, second clips off of social media and the internet. And the only thing that we ever see is LGBTQ plus things. So then when we see those things, a lot of people are saying, oh, let them do them. Let them be yeah. who they are. And when that happens, it continues to eliminate the, the families that are, that are trying to move forward and follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says here, they instruct our children, initiate them into their ways. They incite the multitudes. They drive otherwise rational people into irrationality and some into frenzies, just as they had done in ancient times. They demand our worship, our veneration, our submission, and our sacrifices. Mm. The gods are everywhere. They have permeated our culture. They have mastered our civilizations. Mm. Man. So it's interesting. I was just thinking this when you said that in terms of these 15-second, you know. Video clips. Yeah, video clips and such that are ideas. They're really ideas or principles that Mm -hmm. are being taught in very short clips. It brought me back to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So, oh, you know, it's just this idea wow. of that. So so we're, 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 we're waging a war against an unseen enemy, that yeah. this the spiritual enemy and he... He deals in ideas. He deals in ideas. He deals mm. in ideas. So we have to deal in ideas. We have to fight these. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have to d- have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against yeah. the knowledge of God. <clears throat> why are we talking about transgender stuff? Why are we always... Why are we preaching on this? Why are we doing a whole sermon series on origins and sexuality and male-female? Because we have to wage war on these ideas. Yeah. These ideas are mind viruses that overtake the host. They are, and so guys, we need to think about this. We need to, the, the word, we, we need to have a world that's re-enchanted. We need to, we need to, we not, we are not materialists yeah. who believe the only thing that exists is what we see. Mm. There are evil spirits behind these ideas. Mm-hmm. And that just, that idea gets implanted in a person's mind and then boom, I read it up. There was a, a question somebody posted on Twitter and it was from a, a teenager that was really seeking. They said, Hey, listen, I've, I'm pro LGBTQ plus. I got tons of friends that are gay and all this kind of stuff and trans. And, and I've always been fine in my own body and, and I'm totally fine. But then last week, last night, I just had a, this thought come over me. Maybe I'm trans. Maybe I'm trans. Maybe I'm trans. Is, is that what happens? Am I trans? Like, and he's, he's had, he's literally put it out there. Hey, I'm just been totally cool with all this. No big deal. No big deal. And then all of a sudden, last night, this thought gets put in my head. Maybe I'm trans. And then he googles it to see if, to find out if he's trans. Wow. So, 
chat GPT and all the all the stuff behind there, what's Google going to tell them? Google's going to tell them there's an am I gay quiz. There's yeah. an am I gay quiz that pops up, and no matter how you answer it, it comes back yes. And I think it's so scary, and the mm-hmm. sad part about it is every every little kid kind of goes through this little piece of, I'm going to put my, you see dad put his shoes on every single day. So then the baby goes, pits their shoe, their 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 feet into dad's shoes and walks around the house. And then the same thing happens with, they see the mom put her shoes on. And before you know it, the little baby's, you know, trying on the heels or whatever. But then a lot of parents won't even, like, address it. Like, no, you are, you know, you're a son. You, like, you wear daddy's shoes. And, like, now we got parents are like, well, maybe they are. Yeah. Like, mm. and, and let them actually live that out. And, and that's the scariest thing ever. So these ideas, they're not... Ideas have consequences. Yeah. And these ideas, ideas are so powerful that I, we, I'm saying that some of these ideas, they are demonic. Yeah. They are absolutely demonic. This is why people that are supposedly rational, I mean, college educated, master's degrees, right. upper echelon of society, this is how they have been taken over by this mind virus. Mm-hmm. And, and it, many of them don't care because it provides them sexual freedom they have financial prosperity and they get to be the, their own gods, mm-hmm. right? Well, who offers them that? Yeah. Satan. Yeah. Satan offers them that. So w- this is why we are attacking mm. these idols and we're yeah. attacking these lies because, man, I don't want any of our parents in our church to have kids that this, I- this demonic idea pops up into their mind and they go search YouTube for it yeah. instead of going to mom and dad or going to the word of God, mm-hmm. right? So it's just interesting. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And we think we're progressive. We think we're doing something new. We're not doing doing anything new. We've just returned to the old gods. Baal, Hmm. Asherah, and Moloch Mm -hmm. doing the same stinking stuff. Now, he, he does make a point in here. We kind of already mentioned it, but I wanted to quote him. He said this. A pre-Christian civilization may produce a Caligula or Nero. Caligula was uh, one of the Roman rulers. Uh, but a post-Christian civilization will produce a Stalin or a Hitler. A pre-Christian society may give birth to barbarity, but a post-Christian society will give birth to even darker offspring, fascism, communism, and Nazism. A pre-Christian nation may erect an altar of human sacrifice, but a post-Christian nation will build Auschwitz. Mm. Wow. So it's this idea of Christianity creates freedom and it creates freedom that produces innovation and uh, expansion and technology. But then as you walk away from Christianity, Christianity has the morality and the heart and the conscience to govern the technology. But when you lose the spiritual life, when you lose the heart, when you lose the conscience, now that technological advancement we learn how to kill babies with a pill. Yeah. We learn how, you know, to kill, to put Jews in a, in a gas chamber and kill them really quickly and then tear their teeth out and then sell the gold and do all, I mean, horrible, heinous yeah. things, right? And his whole premise is like, we're, we're there, we're mm-hmm. there. And, and uh, it's like, we've, we were a pagan society, we become a Christian society, and now we're repaganizing. Mm-hmm. So, Probably a question. I, I, it's been asked. I've, I've, I've talked to several people who've listened to our podcasts, and, and one of the things that they're asking is, is, so what is our hope? That's one question. And the second question they've asked is, is what can I do? So I thought those those two good questions. They want to know, 
do we have any hope? I mean, is there is there any is this just the way it's going to be or and and if if not do what what do I as an individual so they're thinking in context you know what what I can't change the world but I can certainly change maybe my world or at least yeah. where I'm at and so I guess that might be a, something I would like to throw out there yeah. is what's our hope and what can we do well our hope of course is that Jesus Christ is God of God and Lord of Lord yeah. and every knee will bow at him bow to him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every demon must flee at his name mm-hmm. so we want to be filled with his Holy Spirit yeah. to be protected from these demonic lies. Yeah. And we want our, our children to be filled with their, the Spirit and protected from his demonic lies. Mm-hmm. And so our hope is ultimately in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if you build your life on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and you build your family on that solid foundation of Jesus Christ, then you can expect that the Spirit's going to protect you in this, right? Yeah. Protect your family. Yeah. And, and you will be a, a light shining in a very dark place. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I think we I think we need to prepare ourselves for dark dark spiritually dark days ahead. And <clears throat> and, I, and I'm not going to go into all the ways that we need to do that, but the the one thing that you can do right now is to be a godly man or woman, be educated on this kind of stuff be pushing back darkness and by that I mean countering these lies don't you can't be a coward on the sideline will you look up that uh, Google that quote there's a quote that is something like they came for the they came for the Polish people but I wasn't Polish they came for this but I wasn't that do you remember that have you remember that quote quote mm-hmm. um, and we have to be pushing back the darkness and pushing back the lies <clears throat> Um, in our generation. So our hope isn't in the United States of America. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen. There, mm-hmm. there could be a mighty revival because again, the demon gods are evil and they're wicked. And so when people see the barbarity, people see the wickedness, people see the brokenness mm-hmm. and things get dark, hopefully they're going to turn back, turn back to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah, this is the one you're referring to. Um, first, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Mm. Okay, the interesting thing, this is a pastor in Nazi Germany. Yep. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he saw the writing on the wall. Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw the demonic ideas behind Nazism and and uh, Hitler, and so Dietrich Bonhoeffer was speaking out, and people were like, "Chill out! This he's not that bad. It's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad." So Bonhoeffer leaves. Bonhoeffer knows it's going to get bad. Bonhoeffer can't change the the people. They won't listen to him, so he leaves. All right, and this pastor is one of those guys that was there still. This pastor thought uh, Hitler wasn't going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad. And then all of a sudden, while he's pastoring people, people are disappearing from his congregation. Mm. Read that quote one more time. Yeah, yeah. this is Martin Neumoyler, I think how you say yep, it. Neumoyler. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. And then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. 
and then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came out, they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. So we need to be people that see the writing on the wall, that have a little bit of prophetic foresight, like um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you haven't read his biography, you should go get it by Eric Metaxas. It's amazing. Um, he was a pastor. Then he moved back into Germany during Hitler's reign, and he was a part of a, a, a plot as a pastor to assassinate Hitler. Mm. And then after we won the war, Hitler still had him executed. That We had won the war, but they still had control of a couple prisons, and they executed him um, on one of the last days of, of, of the war. They hung him. So we need foresight of a Dietrich Bonhoeffer and be preparing ourselves, teaching our children. We can't be blind to these things. We can't be worshiping the gods of Baal, Asherah, and Molech ourselves, yeah. right? Because those people are going to be completely deceived by him. Mm -hmm. And we got to speak up because if we don't speak up, there won't be anybody left to speak up after us, right? So our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the gospel. This is why we preach the gospel, why we believe the gospel. Um, but we want to be we want to be clear about this. We want to be honest. We, want, we see where this is going, yeah. right? And guys, I can't, if 20% of this generation is LGBTQ, and I don't know how many, of what percentage of that is going to be trans, there are so many YouTube videos out right now on people that have detransitioned. They thought this was their thing. They thought they were trans and they had their genitals cut off and they had hormones. And then they realized five, five, 10 years later or a few years later, oh man, I made a mistake. And now there's no going back. Mm -hmm. And they have to live in this um, body that is mutilated. Yeah. What's it going to be like in 10, 20 years when it, possibly millions of, of Americans? have this kind of body. Yeah. Like, this is what the demons want them to do. They want, they don't want them to be able to reproduce. They want to steal their future. They want to steal their hope. So what do we do? We, 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 we counter the lies with the truth. We push back. We, we do this battle with these ideas, these demonic ideas, and we build on the truth and we build homes and we build marriages and we build families and we build children who are impervious to these lies. They can see through these lies and they can counter these lies and they see the demonic ideals and we build godly families. Yeah. And we build a godly church and we build a godly city. That that's what mm -hmm. we that's what we've got to do. Yeah. Right? We got to keep building, keep fighting. So. All right. Well, that's just my uh insights, my thoughts on this book called The Return of the Gods, Jonathan Kahn. It'd be an easy one to listen on Audible if you like to audio audiobooks, it'd be an easy one to listen there. You get the, the big idea. So hopefully this uh, ministered to you guys. It blessed you in some way. Uh, we love you. We, uh, we're praying for you. God bless you. Talk to you soon.